Good morning and welcome to the Marysville 3CU Church on this fine January Sunday. We're glad you're able to be with us. The title of this morning's message is Christ-Centered Compassion. Christ-Centered Compassion. And I want to try to get that embedded in your mind. You might see that popping up on some of our themes and uh, some uh, publications that we put out there. But Christ-Centered Compassion. You know, you might be wondering, what does Marysville 3CU stand for? Well, it doesn't stand for Christ-Centered Compassion. It stands for Churches of Christ and Christian Union. So you picked up the three C's and the U. 3CU, Marysville 3CU Church. That's the denomination we're part of. But... To help you remember, you maybe can remember the three C's part of it, because we need to, as a church, be a, uh, a center for Christ-centered compassion. Now, if you would say we are a Christ-centered compassion church, that wouldn't necessarily be true, but we'd have to have four C's. Um, so we'll just say stay with the three C's. Now, Christ-centered compassion. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 12, and we're going to be looking at verses 29 through 31. But you'll find that we're going to look at the passage in a couple, three, uh, similar passage in a couple, three locations. So let's turn there first to Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. Now, as you read the different versions, you might get read it, uh, see it slightly different. But as we look around at the, um, <coughs> excuse me, as we look at these other passages, you'll find some synergy as we talk about this passage of Scripture. So Mark chapter 12, 29 through 31. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And I want you to think about, as you look at this passage, and, and you think about, there's two pieces of it. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. Love the Lord, love your neighbor. And then we have these words like soul, mind, strength. This is the first commandment. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And you might know, if you are familiar with this passage, that if we turn back to the book of Matthew 22, and we look at verses 36 through 40, it's very similar. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your Mind, And so you might be calling out, okay, where is strength? This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, basically all the Old Testament. And go with me one more... Uh, to the book of Luke, chapter 10. And in Luke, chapter 10, it's not Jesus speaking, but the gentleman quotes, So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your soul, with all your strength. 
and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And why was that gentleman that Jesus was talking to at the time able to quote it? Because all of them refer back to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. You're like, Pastor, you're doing a bunch of jumping around. But I'm stitching all these things together because they all uh, link back to what is the commandment uh, that is the greatest. And Jesus is basically presenting them and um, with what you will find in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. I read a little, you got a bonus verse in there. But as I read those, you saw, heard some of those same words, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you heard them in the different passages that we read. But you might have wondered how there was differences from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And what I wanted to remind you of is the Old Testament is written in the Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. And so as they brought it out in the New Testament, they laid out some of those additional words. But you hear words like heart, soul, mind, and strength in the New Testament. And the words there are referring back to Greek words that mean for heart, your thoughts, your feelings, your middle. The soul is your spirit. Your mind is your deep thoughts. And your strength is all your power and all the force, po uh, uh, force possible or, or, or with force, your ability, that's your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But if you go back to the Hebrew from which they're pulling it from, and you look at the Old Testament, heart is inner man, your will, your heart, your soul, your understanding. Soul is your soul, yourself, your person, that which breathes. Their strength is that might, that force, that abundance. So you can see, if we look at the, the three words in the Hebrew, the heart, soul, and strength, or in the Old Testament that are drawn from the Hebrew, we get that same sense of what's presenting in the New Testament using Greek words. But we have to deliver some additional words to fill out the meaning of those, the depth of the words that are in the Hebrew. So the main picture is that we're to love the Lord your God with all with all. And so this passage of scripture can be preached in different ways uh, from the standpoint of which part of it you're going to focus on. You're going to focus on the first part or you're going to focus on the second part. For the first part, the Christ-centered compassion, the first part of the commandment, love the Lord your God with all, that's where the Christ-centered comes from. So we're approaching this from the compassion standpoint, but it first of all has to be christ Centered. That's the greatest commandment. That's what drives how we even approach our compassion for others. Love the Lord our God, basically with all. Have passion towards it, desire it. That's our center. And the second is to love thy neighbor as ourself. God first. That's our Christ-centered. But that becomes then the foundation of for the acts of compassion or the feelings of compassion that we're able to move forward with. It is Christ-centered. Not us-centered. 
not what the public considers is compassion, but what does Christ consider to be compassion? Compassion. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And through our experiences, through our challenges, through our difficulties, we might have insights and gain insights on how that other person needs to be treated because if you remember back when you went through it or if you are going through it, you can think about how would I wish that someone would have talked with me? How would I wish that somebody would have cared with me? How would I wish that somebody would have whatever it might have been in that situation? And you can think, I, I have an idea what they're feeling. I have some thoughts along that way. I realize they need prayer. I know I have an idea what kind of prayer they need. I, I know that, well, a meal would really be helpful at this point. Or, well, maybe a little space might be helpful, but not too far. They need to know I'm there. I don't need to be too much in their business. They don't want to talk about it in detail right now. They just want me to, to be there. Or, But you get the idea. Through our experiences, we can have that compassion for others. God gives us the love, as we put him first, to love others. But it's those experiences that we have that can make a difference in how we treat the other. It helps our understanding. It helps us to, to think about them. Because you know in the midst of some of the difficulties of life that you can't focus on any other thing and, and maybe, maybe you're, you lack focus on things you should be focusing on. And you need someone to come alongside and keep you on path and keep you from chasing off or after these other temptations. Maybe you're vulnerable to drunkenness or maybe you're vulnerable to drugs or something like that. The person that's going through it and you know that in these tough times they're going to be tempted to go after some of these things, and they need someone to kind of help protect them from themselves almost. Someone to kind of step in, someone that they have a relationship with to help them. But with it being Christ-centered, we seek His wisdom on what action we should do. Because in the moment, you have to think about in the moment, what that person might want may not be what they need, and you have to look past it because if you've ever been around someone that has a dislocated shoulder, it's very uncomfortable for them and they're in pain. But to put that shoulder back in place is going to cause more pain. More pain. And they might not want that pain, but you know that they've got to get through that pain before you can get to that next place. It's something a little deeper. It's understanding the impact longer term than just right now. If we think about our compassion being Christ-centered, we're thinking about what is best for that individual in the long run, what's maybe not in the moment, and maybe not in the moment what's best for us. If, for those of you that are, have been mothers, if you think about it, the, uh, and, if, and especially if you've had multiples, if you think about the first time you have a child or if someone's pregnant and they haven't had a child yet, you hear about the pain. You hear about the pain. And that pain is there, and, and uh, through, the, 
through labor, the pain intensifies. But if you hold back on it, it just elongates the pain. But if there's some way to push through the pain, then there's the joy that comes after. The joy of having the baby and the relief of, I can survive this pain. But you have to go through the pain to get to the better place. And after you've went through that pain, you know you can get to that other side. So the next time you have a child, there's, there's pain, there's things involvement, but you, you're not quite as apprehensive possibly because you know that what's on the other side. And sometimes people in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the situation, they can't clearly see how to get to the other side, but they need someone to say, yes, I've, I can relate to where you're at. Your situation might be different. I don't want to demean what you're going through. I don't need to tell my whole story. You know, when you're coming alongside and trying to com um, give compassion to someone, maybe someone that has lost a loved one or someone to deal with a situation, if you've been in that situation and have someone come up and tell you their life story and you're like, I don't really care about your life story. I don't even want to talk a lot. When you go to talk to someone in those situations, think about those kinds of times and say, okay, it's not about me sharing my story with them. It's about sharing with them what Christ wants me to share with them. It's about me feeling about them, praying for them, being concerned about them. What do they need? What do they need long term? What does God want me to share with them? What, is, what would be the Christ-centered compassion that I need to show to them? I need to have that, that, that care and that concern to what do they really need. Because we know sometimes, sometimes in the mix of conviction when people are unsaved, they need to feel uncomfortable in their sin. We used to, or there have been times where people were talked about praying someone under conviction to say, listen, Lord, I'm asking you to help them to feel uncomfortable in their sin. Help them to have a sleepless night. Keep it ever before them that they need God. Make it so they can't eat or sleep, but they're just miserable in their sin. And wake them up and they're like, how can you pray something so mean? It's because of that Christ-centered compassion, understanding that what they need is Jesus, and they need to come to the awareness of their need of God, so for a time they need to feel the pain, and they feel the suffering, so that they can feel the, the relief of knowing their sins forgiven afterwards. But if we coddle them and don't call out that sin is sin, if people come into the church and we never tell them that God expects them to bow at an altar prayer and accept Jesus in their life, and God expects them then to follow them and, and not to submit to temptation, if we don't call those things out, they're never going to get past the pain. They're going to feel the pain. They're going to feel maybe take the edge off, but we want to get them through the pain and for the long run. And so that Christ-centered compassion sees that people need Jesus. It's not about just making them feel good now. It's about the long term. Their joints are out of socket. They're not right with God. They need to have a crisis experience and come to the point that realize that when they look in relationship to God, that things are out of sort and they got to get right with God. But they got to feel that they need to get there. So that's part of Christ-centered compassion. But it says you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And we think back to the passage in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 5, and it talks about getting the beam out of your own eye so you can remove the speck in your brother's eye. What does that mean? It basically means that. I've got so much dirt in my eye, I'm trying to 
help somebody else, and they got a little speck, and I can't even see it because I got my own issues. I got my own issues. It reminds me of this of, of training uh, many, many years ago that I took in first aid, and one of the things they, they talked about is when you come to an accident site, there are certain processes that you go through to assess who to treat first, but one of the things to do is to look down and make sure your shoes are tied because the last thing you want to do is go over into a ditch to try to help someone and your shoes aren't tied and you trip and fall and you too now have to be treated. In order to help other people, you need to be Christ-centered yourself and focused on God. You need to take care of yourself and be in a prepared place. Otherwise, we end up with two victims. To love your neighbor as yourself. You need to have care and concern about them, but you also need to take care of your relationship with God. You need to be in a right place so that you can help others. And if you want to have an impact on your family, you want to have an impact on your neighbors, you want to have an impact on your co-workers, then you need to put Christ as the center of your life so that you're enabled to have that compassion. You need to be in your Bible. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in church. So that you have the strength and the ability to do the things that God asks you to do. And you are doing the things that Christ would have you to do. Because He is in the front of your life. For some, they have a disposition to care for others. So let that disposition that you have for care for others translate into, I need to be focused on God. And for others, that disposition to care for others doesn't come naturally. Get focused on Christ and God will develop it. I will say to you, there's two prayers that I would be cautious about praying. I've prayed both of them. There might be others. I remember in high school, I prayed about pride. I prayed about pride. It wasn't too long. I ended up with a, I don't know, I ended up having to learn how to go through uh, with a broken ankle and a broken hand at the same time and go up and down the steps at our school and uh, take classes with a broken hand and a broken leg. And just some things going through it kind of humbled me. But it wasn't too many years back, probably about the time as we were trying to start this church, I asked God to help me to be compassionate. I'm asking the Lord kind of now, I think, uh, to help me to, uh, I remember this week asking the prayer, I'm like, Lord, I'm hoping I've learned the lesson soon. Because in that compassion, God took me and has taken me and my family through different kinds of experiences to help me understand just what some of those things feel like. And I, I know a friend of mine one time says, Lord, whatever you're trying to teach me, please teach me soon. I'm hoping that we have come through that time. It has been beneficial to me because I have increased my compassion through my hard times and the difficulties that I've seen. I think I see more clearly than I used to. I might not see at the level I need to, but I think I see more clearly. But we need to have compassion for the lost. We need to have compassion uh, for those that are hurting. 
In James, it talks about, you know, we can sell, shake someone's hand and says, uh, be warmed and well filled and tell, send them out down the street, but never do anything to help them to have the food that they need or the clothing they need or whatever they need so they can even come back to fellowship, back to church, back to the physical needs that they have. They need help. Jesus healed and showed compassion on the physical needs people had and was able to help them in other areas. And significantly, of course, he helped them spiritually. But we need to be compassionate about the whole person and have as a church that Christ-centered compassion. So as you think about uh, what we've talked about today, and as you think about this passage of the greatest commandment of basically love the Lord your God with all and your neighbor as yourself, think about it's Christ-centered. Think about to love my neighbor and myself, I need to have a healthy self-concept of myself. I need to have a good relationship with God. And then I need to do something to show that compassion to others. I need to think about the lost and that they're on their way to hell. And that's hard to think about. But when you start thinking about that, you think about, I need to take some action. I need to have compassion for those that are dealing with mental illness. Those are dealing with besetting sins. Those are dealing with losses of jobs, those are dealing with health issues, knowing that God can meet them where they're at. And our focus then is always pointing them to Christ and the help that Christ can bring. And we need to have that Christ-centered compassion. So if you focus and think about the name of the church even, Marysville 3 CU Church, even though the three C's don't stand for Christ-centered compassion. May we as a church present ourselves in such a way that maybe they would wonder, maybe it is Christ-centered compassion, or maybe we tag Christ-centered compassion in there to remind ourselves that that needs to be focused. Christ first, Christ first, and then others. Christ first, and then others. What symbol am I presenting? It's the same symbol that's up on the wall here. Christ first and then others. It's the symbol of the cross. So may we remember that as we interact with others, as we think about them, as it motivates us in our personal walk, as it motivates us as part of this church, as it motivates us on how to interact with the public, interact with our family, our friends, our spouses, our children, our grandchildren. May God help us to have Christ-centered compassion. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray to Lord that as this message has been sent out, that the tidbits of value and insight that's for the particular person that's hearing. Lord, there might not have been the whole sermon that struck at them, but there might have been a portion of it. May they take that portion and apply it and do something about it. May we have Christ-centered compassion. I pray to Lord that they would open their hearts to what God is asking them to do in their lives and put action to it. To just have feelings, what does that do unless we put some action to it? Whether it's through prayer, whether it's through financial support, whether it's through physically doing things to help. Making phone calls or writing letters or 
Whatever it is, Lord, help us to be willing to be part of a church and to be a church of Christ-centered compassion. Bless us now, we pray. Be with us as we interact with others that we might point Jesus people to Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.